Well, good morning. It's great to see you today. Happy Mother's Day. And a special word of welcome to all of our moms who are here and also uh, any guests that might be with us in worship today. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. You know what I think I love most about Ashley's book is that uh, with every turned page, uh, you see Scripture. And in a longer version of that video uh, that we didn't have time to show this morning, perhaps some of you have seen it already, but in that longer version of the video, Ashley explains why she put Scripture on every page. She says that she did that so that her children would be able to see and hear how God is working. And I love that, absolutely love it. Uh, This past week, I I took the opportunity to read back through some of Ashley's blog posts that she has written over the past three years, and I was deeply, deeply encouraged uh, by how saturated they were with truth from God's Word, every single one of them. And, And I was moved by how in the midst of some really difficult days, those posts communicate hope and they communicate the, the faithfulness of our God. And the word has a way of doing that, doesn't it? It, it changes us in ways that nothing else can. And so for the last two weeks, we have been in a sermon series in Jeremiah chapter 1, and Pastor Matt has been leading us through that. It's called The Way of the Word. And next week, we have one final Sunday, one final message uh, in that series. And so today, I thought it would be appropriate for us to consider the unique and the important role that the Word of God has in the life of a mother. So we're going to be in 2 Timothy there in the New Testament. If you have a copy of God's Word and want to join me there, uh, in just a moment, we'll begin in chapter 3. And I've entitled this message today, A Mom and Her Bible. And the main idea that I want, want to put before us this morning is this. A mom transformed by God's Word will see transformation in her parenting. And when God's word transforms her parenting, it will also transform her children. And so that's where we're headed today in God's word. So about this book of the Bible, 2 Timothy, uh, theologian John Stott says this, says Paul's preoccupation in writing to Timothy was with the gospel, with the deposit of truth which had been revealed and committed to him by God. And so we come to our text this morning knowing, going in, that Paul has a high view of Scripture and a commitment to the gospel. And so let's read our text, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. This is Paul writing to Timothy. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you, and you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith 
in Christ Jesus. So I think one of the important questions to ask right here at the outset is, who is Paul talking about in verse 14 when he says, you know those who taught you? Well, in in addition to his own personal influence in the life of Timothy, Paul is talking about a woman named Eunice and a woman named Lois, Timothy's mother and grandmother. And you say, well, Dennis, I don't see those names mentioned here, so, so how do we know that? Well, we have to do a little bit of work, and there are a few clues that the Bible gives us. The first clue is actually right here in verse 15, where Paul says, you know that from infancy you have known the Scriptures. And so somebody in Timothy's life was making a difference at a very early age, and it stands to reason that it was likely someone in his family. And so that leads to the second clue. And for that, we have to back up to chapter 1. And so turn back a few pages with me to chapter 1 and verse 5. And we find Paul saying to Timothy these words at the outset of his letter. He says, I recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. There they are and now I am convinced is in you also. So here Paul is, he's making a a direct connection between the challenge that he is giving to Timothy to continue in his faith, chapter 3, and the commendable faith that he learned from his mother and grandmother, chapter 1. But then there's a third clue. And a third clue is the answer to this question, where is Timothy's father in this whole picture? And for that, we have to go to Acts chapter 16. So Acts chapter 16, verse 1, is where Paul is telling, or where Luke is telling us about Paul choosing Timothy to be his missionary partner. Acts 16, 1 says this, Paul went on to Derbe and Lystra, where there was a disciple named Timothy, there he is, the son of a believing Jewish woman, but his father was a Greek. See, Timothy was the product of a home that had a mom who was a believer and a dad who was not. And perhaps there are some of you even here today that can relate to that particular family dynamic. And that's why Paul didn't say that Timothy learned the Scriptures from his father because his father didn't believe them. But praise God for a mother and a grandmother who did. And so here in our text, 2 Timothy 3, we have a believing mom and a believing grandmother who were instrumental in young Timothy coming to faith in Christ. And now Paul is exhorting Timothy to remember and to continue in all that those two amazing ladies had invested in him. And so with this foundational understanding of our text in mind, I want us to think about this morning three transformations that happen when you bring together a mom and her Bible. A mom and her Bible. The first is this. Mom, the Word of God will transform your life. Will transform your life. In chapter 1, 
where we were a moment ago, Paul says to Timothy, in so many words, there's a genuine faith about you, a a sincere faith that I notice in you. And it looks familiar. I've seen that somewhere before. And he goes on to say, where I think I saw it first was in your mom and your grandmother. In other words, the proverbial apple didn't fall far from the tree because Eunice and Lois were two ladies whose lives had been changed by God and changed by his word. Now, there's a fair amount that we don't know. After all, <clears throat> excuse me, Second Timothy is the only place that these two ladies are named in all the Bible. We don't know when these women came to faith in Christ. Some commentators believe that Lois might have been converted in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost and then came home to to witness to her daughter. Others think that perhaps both women were devout Jews who responded to Paul's preaching of the gospel when he visited Lystra originally. Again, we don't know the specifics, but the clear implication is that their faith in Jesus, their conversion, if you will, predated that of Timothy. Now, interestingly, it's quite possible and likely that these ladies were teaching Timothy the Old Testament before they became Christians. But, there came a point, there came a point where their understanding of those scriptures became Christ-centered, right? In other words, that understanding became a gospel-informed understanding. And the Bible says that they had a sincere faith. And we know that Timothy and his mother and his grandmother came to realize and understand that the scriptures give us wisdom for salvation, And the reason that is, is because these scriptures they're referring to point us to the gospel. They point us to Jesus, who is the ultimate fulfillment of all that had been written in the Old Testament. And so, Mom, I have three questions for you this morning. The first is this, has the word changed you? I mean by that eternally changed you? Has there been a point in your life where the the Spirit of God gave you understanding of the gospel and faith to believe on Jesus for the forgiveness of, of your sin and the restoration of your relationship with God? And if the answer to that is yes, praise God. Celebrate it. Drive a stake in the ground and let it be a defining reality for all of your life. But if the answer is no, or I don't know, then I pray, and there are others that have been praying, that today might be a day of salvation for you. That the Lord would open your eyes to the gospel, to the reality of your sin and how it has separated you from a holy God. And that he would draw you to turn from your sin and to to trust in Jesus and all that he accomplished on your behalf by dying on the cross and to follow him for the rest of your life. Has the word changed you? 
A second question is this, mom, is the word changing you? Continually, I mean in a, an ongoing, day-by-day, work-in-progress kind of way. The Bible tells us that God's word is like a lamp, and it's like a mirror. God's word is like a fire. It's like a hammer. It's like a seed. It's like food. It's like dew. It's like milk. It's like a sword. It's all of these things and more. And guess what? It's got work that it needs to do in your life and in mine. And so is the word changing you? Like this week, is it changing you? I think of the word of God kind of like a a Roomba. Some of you know what a Roomba is, right? Every mom and dad, to be honest, wants one of these robot vacuum cleaners, right? And the reason why those things are so cool is because as long as it's on and engaged, it's doing its thing, right? It's moving all throughout the house all day long. And here's the deal, as long as you and I are engaged with God's word on a regular basis, then guess what? It's moving all through our life and it's doing its work in us. And so a third and closely related question is this, mom, how are you and your Bible? My guess is that in a room this size that there are moms here today who lay their head down at night in exhaustion and discouragement and think to themselves, I didn't read my Bible again today. And instead of reflecting on and thanking God for his faithfulness, they they fight off guilt and, and fall asleep, convincing yourself that you're going to do better tomorrow. And mom, some of you need to hear this today. The beauty of the gospel is that God's love toward you isn't connected to how spiritual you feel at the end of the day. Now don't misunderstand. There are beautiful reasons to spend time in God's word. But guilt isn't one of them. We don't spend time in our Bible to feel better about ourselves or to to make God feel better about us. Time in God's word is a means of experiencing his grace, not earning it. That doesn't mean we just put our Bibles on the shelf, right? Because when we're not in the word, we miss out on the beautiful gifts that it does have to offer for our lives, like assurance and like peace and like instruction and like freedom and joy. Colossians 3.16 exhorts us, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Not kind of dwell, not occasionally or indirectly dwell, but richly dwell. Maggie Combs, she's the author of a book entitled Unsuper Mommy. She says this, you cannot put your ultimate hope in well-rested children, exercise, healthy eating, naps, or an uninterrupted night's sleep. Ask any mom, there are too many days when some or all of these good physical blessings never happen. 
Instead of hoping for circumstances to meet your physical needs, rely on the manna of God's word for the strength you need. Even when your body is exhausted, your soul can be at rest. Now, moms, there's a fantastic reason to spend time in God's Word. A true story is told about Susanna Wesley. She is the mother of Charles and John Wesley. She had 19 children, and nine of them died in infancy, and so that left 10. And Mrs. Wesley had promised the Lord that she would spend time in prayer and the Word every single day. And at one point, her strategy was this. Uh, She had trained the older children to be responsible to take care of the younger and the younger to listen to, uh, to that oversight and instruction. And so she said to those older kids, she said, when you see mom with an apron over her head at the table, don't bother her. Keep the kids quiet because that is my time with God. Willing to do whatever it takes, right? See, we have to be intentional to soak our minds with truth. Why? Because, mom, you can't pass on to others what you don't possess yourself. It's got to be in you before it's ever going to make its way out of you. And that leads to the second transformation I want us to think about this morning, and it's this. When you are transformed by the Word, you will see transformation in your parenting, in your parenting. What we learn from Eunice and Lois here in 2 Timothy is that that these were ladies, two ladies who understood the influence that they had in the lives of their children, and they took seriously their responsibility to pour into the next generation. And they knew and they lived uh, Deuteronomy 6, where God said to his people, these words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house, and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Uh, Two observations, two things that I I think we glean from uh, our text here, and it's this. These moms were diligent to teach their children the Word, and they started at a very early age. Incidentally, grandmothers in the room, don't miss the fact that Lois gets included here with Eunice. She was a part of this teaching team. And so, question for you this morning. What's your reputation as a grandma? Are, are you the cookie grandma? Or are you the Bible grandma? And here's the good news. You don't have to choose. Be both, all right? Be both. Paul tells Timothy, he says, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you from infancy. That word believed here in our text, it carries with it this idea of being convinced about something. So Timothy had become convinced of the truth of God's word. And how did that happen? 
through the ongoing teaching of his mother and grandmother. And this is a reality. You don't become firmly convinced of something that you just hear every so often or every now and then, right? And when you're hearing it from someone else, you've got to know that they've also been convinced by what they're teaching you. It makes me think of this. Whenever I go into a a restaurant that I've never been to before, I'll often ask the server, so what do you like to get here? Uh, Or I might even ask about a a specific menu item. You know, so tell me about the burger. How's How's the burger? And sometimes I'll get an answer that sounds like this. Well, actually, I don't eat burgers. And so I, I really have never tried it. Well, that's not super helpful, right, or convincing. At other times, I get a response that sounds like this. Oh, the burgers here are amazing. I eat at least one a week. The beef is fresh. They, they grind it right back here in the kitchen. The chef, he cooks them to perfection. We'll put whatever kind of cheese you want on it. And man, if you want to add bacon to the top of that thing, it will take it to a whole new level. When I hear that, you've convinced me, right? That's a menu item I can believe in because you believe in it. And so Paul says, don't stop now. Those things that your mother and grandmother convinced you of, Keep learning them, keep trusting in them, keep on being transformed by them. And when Paul says to Timothy, or says that Timothy heard the sacred scriptures from the time that he was just a a little baby, he was referring to what we would know of as the Old Testament. And later, we know that Timothy would come to understand scripture more fully because he would finally see how the Old Testament points to Jesus. In fact, Paul goes on to say in our text here that these sacred scriptures are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Friends, the Bible is a book that leads us to salvation. And may it always be a book that we use to lead others to salvation, especially our children. Charles Spurgeon, that famous prince of preachers, said this, Babes receive impressions long before we are aware of the fact. A special vantage ground is lost when even babyhood is left uncultured. The Holy Scripture may be learned by children as soon as they are capable of understanding anything. Give us the first seven years of a child with God's grace, and we may defy the world, the flesh, and the devil to ruin that immortal soul. Moms, read and teach your children God's Word. And start at a very early age. Every time you open God's word with your child or your grandchild, you walk in the faith-led footsteps of Lois and Eunice. But before we move on from this topic, I think there's something really important to add. There is a difference between teaching our children the gospel and merely teaching our children Bible stories. 
You see, one approach simply points them to Bible characters and good morals or or values. But the other approach points them to Jesus and his love and his power and righteousness and forgiveness. And so you might ask the question, should we even be teaching our, our kids and grandkids the Old Testament? Absolutely. Absolutely we should because we get the incredible opportunity to show them how all of Scripture points to the gospel story. Many Christian parents want their kids to learn Bible stories, but, but often the reason is because they think it'll help them develop good character, right? We want them to become a good person. We say, be a Daniel or, or be more like David. And my guess is if David and Daniel could look down from heaven, they would say, no, no, don't be like us. There's a much bigger picture at play here. And so mom and dad, one of your main parenting targets ought to be to help your child understand the individual stories of Scripture within the context of the ultimate story of redemption. And so here in Timothy's life, we see how God used a mom and a grandmother's ongoing investment of gospel truth to bring their child to faith in Christ. And isn't it true, isn't it true that every Christian mom longs for her child to be saved? It, it is among one of a mother's deepest desires But sometimes we can want that to happen so badly that we unintentionally go about it in unhelpful or unhealthy ways. And so let me encourage you with this today. The only right way is through the gospel. Author Sarah Wallace in her great little book entitled The Gospel-Centered Mom, she mentions two mistakes that that often are made, but we should avoid as parents. And I'll I'll mention them to you just briefly. The first is guilt as a motivator. And here's what that means. In our parenting, if we are not careful, we can allow guilt to become the motivator for obedience. Have you ever thought as a parent after you have disciplined your child, he just didn't feel guilty enough? And so you, you tighten the screws. And see, children need to know what sin is, right? They need to know what it looks like in their own lives. They also need to understand how it affects them and others around them. But if we have used the gospel to explain this, then guess what? The Word does the work, And we can let conviction come to our child's heart from the the Holy Spirit. And so mom, trust God to take those gospel deposits you have been making, and the key is you need to have been making them, and trust him to work those, to massage those into your child's soul in his timing. Because the Bible tells us godly sorrow that leads to, re, to repent, true repentance cannot be forced. A second mistake that Wallace mentions 
is this, giving love based on good works. It kind of goes hand in hand with the guilt thing. We, we want to be very careful how we recognize or reward obedience. It's a slippery slope because you don't have to get very far down that road before you create this expectation with your child that rewards come when I obey. When I obey, mom's happy. When I disobey, mom's upset with me and I don't get a treat. And then before you know it, your kids begin to think that's how God operates, uh, on a merit system. But that's not the gospel. See, a good general rule is this, let your words affirm obedience and point them to Jesus, and then you can let a, a treat come just because. Ultimately, it's, it's the grace that's found in the gospel that will bring about repentance and obedience. I'll say another word about that in just a moment. But finally, moms, not only does the word transform your life and in turn your parenting, but when God's word transforms your parenting, it will also transform your child. We've seen in our text that God's word gives wisdom for salvation. But it does more. It does more. It's also sufficient for all life and godliness, 2 Peter 1.3 tells us. It's profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness. Verse 16 of our passage here today says, it reveals the very thoughts and intentions of our hearts, Hebrews 4.12. So just briefly, as we wrap up this morning, let's think about three ways that God uses the word in your child's life. First, God uses his word to help your child see his or her sin. As our children are regularly exposed to the truth of God's word, do you know what happens? The Holy Spirit uses that to bring about recognition of sin. And he uses the word to enlighten and expose and to convince and to convict because it's not a one and done event in your child's life or ours for that matter. No, we need him to continually open our eyes to our sin. Secondly, God uses his word to bring your child to salvation. Here's the reality, mom. You can't make your children be saved. And that can be a really hard pill to swallow. You can protect them. You can feed them. You can hold them. You can provide for them. You can train them. You can do their school project for them. You can put them through college. You can let them live in your basement but you cannot save them from their sin. What you can do is continually pour truth into their lives. 
and pray for them and allow the Spirit of God to use that to awaken their sinful hearts to the need for a Savior. Psalm 19 reminds us, the instruction of the Lord is perfect, renewing one's life. See, the word has a a reviving effect in your child because it's the gospel that brings or causes life to come from death. It doesn't just leave them in their sin. It points them to the grace that is found in Jesus. Jesus is the one who saves your child. And it's the word that plays a vital role in bringing that about. Well, finally, God uses his word to bring about sanctification in your child. Sanctification. As Bible intake happens in the lives of our kids, as they are nourished by God's word, this is the result. The Spirit of God uses that to shape them more into the image of Christ. It's why at Brook Hills we value, place great value on children sitting in in worship in big church and hearing the word of God preached. It's why, moms and dads, we want to see your kids get plugged into small groups on on a regular basis. It's why our age group ministries work to come alongside parents and put biblical resources and tools in your hands because children that learn to abide biblically, that's the first of our eight pursuits here as a church. We, we pursue transformation so we abide biblically. Children and adults alike who do this, listen, will grow in Christ's likeness. You can take it to the bank. They will begin to pursue and align with God's will for their life. They will be equipped to fight temptation. They will desire more and more to live lives of holiness. Why? Because that's the way of the word. Who knows? Who who knows what the ultimate impact was that Lois and Eunice had on young Timothy. We know that he was strengthened and he grew through the discipling ministry uh, of Paul, his investment in, his li- in, in Timothy's life, but the foundation was laid by a faithful mother and grandmother. So moms of Brook Hills, if you haven't already, meet the God of the Bible through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and watch him change your life. Mom, maximize the time that you spend in the word. It's challenging, it's difficult, but cherish those moments with your Bible. Make your home around the word. May it be central in your household and mold your children with the word. May it be a prominent, primary parenting tool in your home. It's not a stretch. 
It's not a stretch to argue that history is shaped in the home through faithful mothers who value God's word.